0: Welcome to another another edition of Conversations of the Heart. As always, it is your boy T. Till here. I have a very, very special guest in the building today. Um, Mr. Justin Belt, uh, fellow podcaster, uh, the Pep Talk podcast. Um, and um, we're going to be talking everything from you know fatherhood, marriage, manhood. We're going to get into all of that. But first, I just wanted to introduce Justin here and let him tell you in his words who he is. So for the people who don't know... Um, you know, what do you do? You know, who is Justin Bell?
1: T2, man. Thanks for having me on the pod. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Justin Coach J. You know, we go by a lot of different, a lot of different names, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a high school English teacher. Uh, I'm a life coach. Um, I'm also a published author and a podcaster. Husband of 20 years, father of five kids. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Father of five kids, man. We just, we do it all. Lunch lady, all that stuff.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Um, So knowing that you're a fellow podcaster, um, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, But let's talk a little bit about this fatherhood, man. Um, Let's talk about your fatherhood journey. You know, everybody's fatherhood journey is different. But i like to ask this one question to all the fathers um, that I speak to. And it's when you found out for the first time that you were going to be a father, how did you react? And what was that process like going through your mind? Everybody's different. Some people shook, scared, some people happy, some people confused, some people just like, Hey, I I don't know what I'm about to do with this. Right. (laughs) So, so what was your first instinct? Like how did you feel?
1: So, I remember this like it's plain as day. My my wife came out of the bathroom with a test in her hand, and uh, he looked at me. And she said, "I'm pregnant," and I was like, "Oh bleep!" <laughs> and she said, <laughs> "She said she said." I looked at her like, "How did this happen?" And she looked at me like, "You Yo, know how this how happened,
0: you, bro, you know you was there."
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was very much a. Oh crap like mm-hmm. for real for real like um but i mean we i just had like that brief moment of like what in the world and then i was just mm-hmm. over the moon like texting everybody like everybody know that i was <laughs> it was crazy it was crazy it was it was frightening but it was one of the best memories of my life especially now that she's graduating um that time goes by so fast, man. It just blows my
0: wow. wow, man! And congratulations to her on graduating. She's going to college. Or is that what it is? She's yep, going yep, to yep, Yeah, she, she, uh, she
1: has earned herself pretty much a full ride to a to a private uh, SMU Southern Methodist University down here in Dallas. Uh-huh. So proud of her, man. She's she's done the thing, and now she's receiving the benefits of it.
0: Big shout out. Uh, to her and uh, and all the best to her. Um, and congratulations on that scholarship. Ah, oh, it's so easy, easy on the pockets for you, brother. Um, so That's you are insane. reaping the benefits too. <laughs> you reaping the benefits too. <laughs> yes, yes. And listen, I see the happy graduation in the background. You were a real happy father with that one. You, you, you. Yes, you sir. Are, please, full ride, the full ride, brother, full ride. Oh, listen, that is a blessing. Um so congratulations to the whole family man so shout out to the wife too um so now the uh the journey of fatherhood is is different um for everybody there is no manual um i always like to say and i, I don't have kids but i i know many fathers and what they tell me is that there is no manual for it um yeah. it looks different for everybody and for each kid um yeah. the journey could be completely different um so you said, and how many kids do you have? Five on it. You five. got five on it. Yes, that is true. You did some. You got five on it. So, sir, you got you, you got a lot of experience. Um, <laughs> you got a lot. Nah, you're a veteran in, in this game of five. I think two is, I think for me, I think two is a good number, but you, but you got five. Right? So was it always a... Uh, something of you that you said you wanted five kids or you want to multiply like four kids, five kids, six kids. Like, is that something that you've always wanted or was it just like, yo, listen, things happen.
1: So, um, no, <laughs> I, <laughs> no. So like for me, fatherhood was never something that I prayed for. I mm-hmm. just always assumed that at some point I'd be a father. And I thought, like in my high school yearbook, I think I wrote that I would be a father of two kids. Um, but my wife, my wife comes from a family of six. She's mm. number five. She's number five of six. And so her having a big family, that that's what she knew. For me, I was adopted. And so my, in my adoptive family, my siblings are much older than I am. Like my mm. My oldest brother, by the time I came along, he had already joined the Coast Guard. He was out of the house. Um, So I I grew up very much almost like an only child. Uh, So the idea of having a big family, it it never computed for me. But I knew when I got married that I didn't want to have only one child because I thought that that was cruel, cruel to that child. Um, But it just so happened that, you know, God had in, in the plans for us to, to have five.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and, uh-huh. and I look at, I look at it now. It's cool because they have each other. Um, right. even if, you know, knock on wood, you know, something happened to us, they still have each other. Uh, right. and I think, I think that is, that's a gift for us, but it's also a gift for them.
0: That's, that's, that's beautiful, man. Um, and you have a mix, right? Yeah. So, and so raising daughters and raising sons could be different um, mm-hmm. for some. Um, so I know being a girl dad, because, um, you know, daddy's a little girl, um, it seems like that's never that never changes, right? Um, so what would you say your, your journey was with raising daughters? We'll start with daughters first. What was the, the journey like for you raising the girls?
1: I think for me, raising girls was, has been pretty easy. Um, me growing up, I, you know, played sports and everything, but I was more—I've always been more of a feelings-centered person, always in touch with my emotions, like even from an early age. And so, raising girls. I can relate to the emotional aspect of it. Like that part is, is really easy for me mm. um, because I was the artsy guy, you know, I wrote the poetry and, you know, all, all that stuff. So that, that part with raising girls has been easy for me. Now there, there are things as they get older that, you know, mom takes over and, and, you know, mom plays a larger role, but I, I understand the mood swings because I have them. You know, I understand when the emotions feel too big and you don't really know how to express them. I can uh-huh. help them through. Th- I can help them through those things because that was kind of me, you know, growing up. Um,
2: uh-huh.
1: That was, yeah. And I mean, I know we'll get into the whole masculinity standpoint of it, uh-huh. but you know, because I was such an emotion-centered boy, uh-huh. oftentimes and even into you know adulthood. I often had a hard time equating to what that meant for me as a man.
0: Mm. Wow. And so when you say that you were the RT guy, you used to write poetry and you know, and all those things, and so you were a person who was already tapped into your emotional intelligence at intelligence at an early age. And then when you get married, bro, you wonder why you got five kids, brother. You were smooth. Right? Like, <laughs> you was out here writing poetry and all that stuff, bro. You talking my two, talking about two hey, kids, I mean- you talking two kids. You should have known you was headed for five. You should have known that from early. You should have saw that coming, bro. You should have I mean, saw that listen, coming. Listen,
1: listen, <laughs> listen. Uh, he was outside
0: writing poetry listen. early. Uh,
1: a, a, part, a part of my life coaching practice is about mindset. And my mindset mm-hmm. growing up always was, brother, you a Casanova. So you got
0: to be careful who you unleash them words on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you unleash them on the right one. And five later... <laughs> By wow, later you, you, he's doing it. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I can't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with that being said, um, with, with raising daughters, what was something that you made sure that you wanted to instill in them?
1: So it was important to me from a young age that my daughters know that any man who tries to come into their lives to eventually take them from me would have an impossible standard to meet mm. um, now you know with with five kids I can't always take them on dates and everything but you know we have discussions um, I you know if I take them out I get them an or I get them some candy or something like that. And I tell them, I love them a lot because I don't want them bringing some dude into the house who does not meet the standard that I set.
2: Uh. And
1: so, you know, even, even when they were babies, they were always my princesses. I always made sure that they knew that, you know, they want to cuddle with dad, yo, come cuddle with dad. Um, mm. If I can do for them, I make sure I do for them because I, I, I need them to understand that it's a standard. Uh-huh. Um and you know I know dudes because I was a dude. I know dudes. <laughs> and and if and if a dude is trying to come at you and a dude and if a dude is trying to get at you and you can look at him and you can see that he's not measuring up to me, then you know you need to just tell him to keep on going.
0: Uh-huh. I like that. So so having so just making sure that they have a level of standards for themselves Mm -hmm. um, and you want to make it and you wanted to make sure that you set the bar pretty high um, and to not be easily impressed by things. Right. Right. Um, Because that's a because that's the I I won't say arguments, but like I see them all on on social media, things that women want. Right. Um, He has to be able to fly me here. He has to be able to fly me there. He has to be able to do X, Y, Z provide certain things, right? I noticed that's, that's a thing, providing things. And so I always caution, you know, and I understand, first of all, you know, yes, of course, providership is, is of course, providing a home, providing, you know, keeping the lights on. You know, I, I get that part. I just always like to caution when women talk about things. And I understand yeah. about soft life. And I, I understand the luxuries of life. Believe me, I do. And But when people and certain men also have such things at their disposal, women have to be very discerning about just because they have these things, who they let into their life, right? Because you shouldn't put a dollar amount on, you know, who you decide to date. So like, if you can't have this, then because there are some men that can afford this and that, and they're absolute nightmares, they will use that to their... And, you know, man, they will use that to their advantage, right? Because they have certain things at their disposal and then you become disposable. Right. right. You know? Yeah. So I always say, even with my friends and just for people, if they have thoughts, I just tell them, like, yo, just be careful, you know, just, just careful, right? Look for other things as well. Intangibles, right? Look at certain things that, you know, his character, that's a big thing. Character yeah. is huge. Character is huge when it comes to dating, man. Like, just because a man has money, don't mean he has character. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think, I think that a man who has money, and this is this is not a generalization, but it's just what I've been able to observe. A man who has money gets lazy with his emotions. Um, Ooh. he 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 can believe that the things that he can provide more than makes up for the emotion that the woman wants. And so then uh. when she gets, when she gets used to getting the things, what use does she have for your emotions at that point? I mean, like whether you're emotionally engaged or not, if you, if I can buy you Prada and if I can buy you Gucci, why do you care if I love you or not?
0: uh, uh. That's a fact, and and people substitute the money for emotional intelligence, for fidelity, um, for a lot of different things. It's more so like I'm I'm buying you, you do mm-hmm. what I you do what I, and that could become very abusive. And that's the one thing that we don't want our our friends, family, daughters to get mixed into is abuse and just things right. like that. You know, um, unfortunately, I, I hear too many stories regarding. These type of things, unfortunately, um, so I'm really, I'm really, really happy that you know, seem you know, seem like you're really raising amazing daughters, um, but translating that into sons, um, with with you having you know the emotional intelligence that you have, um, it seems like you're very cognizant about mental health. Uh, so, when it comes to boys, and raising boys, it could be scary. Um, in this day and age, uh, between all the stuff that's going on um, out there, right? And men having issues with communication and expression, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And suicides are double women at this point in time, right? in men, and you realize that men are having more health problems, you know, heart attacks, high blood pressure. And a lot of that is because up here, it's like everything that's in our heart, we don't don't express it for a lot of us and so by the time we come to become an adult we have years of high blood pressure heart problems mm-hmm. right and we do things to kind of uh when problems arrive we like okay I'm gonna smoke it away drink it away sex it away yeah I'm gonna work it away uh yeah. and these are things that's not as unhealthy for us right and we don't ex- express our feelings in a healthy way for for uh, A lot of us so raising boys how do you i guess impart what you've learned um from growing up and having emotional intelligence at an early age how do you go about imparting that into your boys
1: so i'll say that when i found out that our second child was a boy uh, i was overwhelmed with a deep sense of fear Mm. um i was just i was afraid man because you know, as someone who struggled with the whole idea of what manhood and masculinity is like, I don't even know if I'm a man, how am I supposed to raise another man? And Mm. then on, on top of that, there's also the level of raising a black man. Like what, how am I supposed to do that?
2: Mm.
1: How am I supposed to do that? And it's been, it's been amazing but there are also still times where I'm, you know, afraid for my boys. Mm. Um, you know, I have, I have a son who is gonna be 14 or 15. I can't remember which one. Um, he, he's a hardcore athlete. He loves sports and he's, I mean, he's good. He's, he's really, really good. I can't relate to being really, really good at sports. Mm. Arts, arts were my thing.
0: Right.
1: However, I'm the loudest dude in the stands cheering for him, uh-huh. coaching him. However, uh-huh. my, my coaching for him doesn't come from the physical, the physical aspect of it. My coaching for him comes from, how's your mind? Uh-huh. How's your heart? Like Those are two questions that I ask him almost every morning. Dude, how's your heart? How's your head? Uh-huh. I want to know, know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're feeling. And even though you know he's at that stage in life where he doesn't talk a lot about feelings that's uh-huh. hard for yeah i get it even though he often you know just says oh i'm fine uh-huh. okay most times i don't press because i don't want there to be any sense of trauma about around dad continuing to ask me about my feelings so that now i start making stuff up just to appease him no dude right If you say you're fine, I'm going to trust that you're fine until I start seeing the signs that you're not fine. Then dad's going to sit you down and I'm going to press you. Uh Um, My other son, he's 10. He's artsy. Dude is an amazing artist. He loves anime. He can draw his behind off. Um, He's not as deep into sports as his older brother. Uh He He likes to play soccer, but he's not... You know that's super competitive that's super competitive. Right. i understand him i understand him a lot more than i do my oldest son however i you know five kids you you discover that there are so many ways to connect to each child and what works with one child is not going to work with the same child regardless mm. of whether they're the same gender or not mm. um and so it, it's a lot of trial and error. And my wife and I, we sit back and we laugh sometimes. Like I wonder, you know, what child number three is going to have to go to therapy for that child number one didn't have to go to therapy for.
2: Or, right, right.
1: Um, you just, you just, you never know. But again, it's a blessing because as I've become more secure in the type of man that I am, mm. I think I'm better able to impart that into my sons. Like mm. we can talk, we can talk about the injustices that that black men are more likely to face and like with this being june being uh men's mental health awareness month that's big that's big Mm -hmm. um so when they ask me dad do you ever get sad?" oh yeah Uh oh yeah like dad do you ever just want to quit your job oh yeah let me talk let me talk to you about it let me let me tell you about it i don't want i don't (laughs) want to withhold yeah i don't want to withhold anything from them about who i am that will Mm. keep them from becoming who they're destined to be. And so from my vantage point as the gatekeeper to what their pathway is, it's important to me that I allow them all the access to me that they need to make every decision that they need to make in life, whether dad is messed up or whether dad has gotten it right. And for me, that is equal across all five of my kids. I want them to have ultimate access to me so that they don't have to go looking for access with anybody else. Because that's where the danger comes in. I want them to see the good, the bad, and ugly about me. So that we mm. can talk about it. And we can talk about the implications for their lives. Mm. So that they don't have to go out into the streets and, 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 and get answers, man. Because we have so many kids in the streets that are getting answers. And they are answers that are, are warped. They're answers that are are based in false narratives. They are they are answers that are steeped in people who don't know who they are. Like there are so many false answers. So if I can keep if I can keep the answers from dad, honest and clear and transparent, then I feel good about the kids that I'm sending off into the world.
0: I like that a lot um, because everybody does have different opinions. Everybody was raised differently, you know, um, so the fact that, you know, you want to be that example for them, you and your wife want to be those examples for them that they can come to you guys with, uh, with anything, with anything, right? And, with, and a lot of times kids don't agree. They just don't, especially when they get to a certain age, um, yep. yep, you know, <laughs> they're not going to agree on a lot of different things. Um but at least but the one thing I will say is kids don't forget something that was planted. And even if they don't agree right now, it could be six years down the line. Come on. All of a sudden, oh no, yo, you know, did my dad, did my, my mom, did my mom something? just like that. Like, and it's like he's like, Oh, I get it, right? Because you planted the seeds early. Yeah, and so yeah. as long as you plant the seeds, man, like you gonna like they gonna be okay, no yeah. matter what. Even if they don't like it now, even if they don't see it now, because you know they know everything, kids. No, like, you know how that goes. <laughs> we, know, we know, we knew everything back then too. It, you yeah. know, it. You go through yeah. the phases, you know, and 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 so, but as long as you have planted seeds, which you guys have planted, so it seems like some amazing seeds in them. They're gonna be okay. Yeah. Um, So when it comes to manhood, I know you said that you're that process of being adopted, right? Um, It's always interesting, like when I, um, you know, like when I hear uh, people being adopted, because I always wonder, like, depending on the situation, if they wanted to know who their birth parents was, how was that process? Right. Did you ever go meet your birth parents and how did your adopted parents take you know take that stuff and um and how has being adopted impacted your life? So
1: I I I podcasted about this in the episode that dropped today, um talking about fatherhood. And so yesterday was kind of special. Uh yesterday at church we had a suits and sneakers themes for the guys. Um my dad had, my my biological dad came up to visit uh from my daughter's graduation and he bought us all some shoes. I he normally buys shoes for the kids and I'm good with that. But this time he looked up and he saw me without shoes. He said, Why didn't you get shoes? I said, Man, you took care of the kids. Like that's that's the most important. He said, We're not leaving until you go back and get some shoes. Uh. All right. So we went back and um I saw a pair of, I, I was having a hard time looking and he said, dude, he pulled me aside, he said, dude. Y'all have been going through a hard time. Let me get you some shoes. And so I went and I found a pair of Jordans. I've never had a pair of Jordans. I've always refused. I'm a sneakerhead, but I don't like putting money down on sneakers. Um, And uh, he bought me this pair of Jordans. So I wore them with my suit on Sunday. And I also had my my camera. My adoptive father is a photographer. Um, And so... I put this picture up on my Instagram that had the camera and the shoes in it. And I was explaining why this picture encapsulate encapsulates so much of my life. Um, so I met my biological dad when I was about, uh, 20, 21, 22. Uh-huh. Um, my biological mom recently passed of pancreatic cancer back in, in, in May. My condolences. Um, thank you. But, I'm realizing how blessed I was to have them both because before I knew that I was adopted, I knew that all of me did not fit in the family that I was raised in.
2: Uh.
1: And I, I never understood why, like my, my, my adoptive family, my, my adoptive dad, he taught me what it meant to be punctual, like what it meant to have a sense of duty, what it meant to be loyal. And yet, even with all of those things, there was this part of me, man, that, I knew didn't fit here, and I didn't know where it fit until I met my biological family. And when I met my dad's side of the family, things just started to make so much sense for me. And I think now, at 42 years of age, I am more of a whole man now than I've been at any other point in my life. Because I can look at myself, and I can see, I can itemize where parts of me come from. Like, you know, when I was dating my wife, if I said, I'm gonna pick you up at seven, I'm pulling up at her apartment Uh at six o'clock and I'm gonna wait until 6.45 to go knock on the door and say, hey, I am here. I got
2: that (laughs) from my adoptive dad.
1: Um, my, 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 My sense of humor and my, you know, my love of brightly colored sneakers. That sounds really weird, but I got that from my biological dad because he loves brightly colored. He loves brightly colored things. Uh. Um, So I can see all of these different parts of me and how they fit on either side, but also how they've come together and how they've melded. Um, And man, I I just, I feel more secure in my manhood now than I felt at any other part of my life. And it's because I know where I come from. Wow. Like, I remember sitting in my biological grandfather's uh, when he died. Uh, this was, man, probably a couple of decades ago now almost. And by the time I met him, he had advanced stage Parkinson's. And so he couldn't really, you know, talk and all this stuff. But hearing people talk about the stuff that he liked to do as a young man, I'm sitting in the church and I'm like, dude, these are all the things that I love to do now. Like, wow. I'm, pr- I'm practically a mirror image of this man that I never really got a chance to know, and it was just so, so, wow. so. Um, and so you talk about manhood masculinity. Knowing where you come from is big, and it's been so big for me. Mm. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful that I know the parts of me, and how they make up the kind of man that I am.
0: Wow, and and that's and and that's powerful. Now that you know, you said now being in, in, in your forties, you you feel complete. Yeah, which is which is an amazing feeling, by the way. Right, and did you ever get the answers that you were looking for? I would say from your biological parents or father, father.
1: So I did get the story from my biological father. But one of my biggest regrets is that I never got it from my biological mother. Um, we never got a chance to have that discussion. And I remember when I found out that she was sick, I'd always meant to call and have that discussion. Huh. And right around the time I was, was working up, excuse me, the, the, the courage to have it, I got the call that she had passed. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it broke me. Um, yeah, it, it broke me, but also taking solace in the fact that she loved me enough to realize that what she could offer me at that point was not enough. Um, that's, that's the piece that I take, that I take in it. Uh, and that's
0: kind of like my, that's my comfort blanket. Wow. So I guess, so in your eyes, it's like, yo, know, she gave me the gift of being with a family, right. That had the ability and the capacity to possibly what what she couldn't. Yeah. And so you have to be okay with not getting the closure that you needed, but rather you chose to get the closure yourself kind of from, your perspective, in a in a sense, um, which I think, I think in all facets of life, sometimes getting the closure we think we want. Sometimes we have to be okay with kind of just getting the closure ourselves and just closing yeah. certain chapters on our own, right? Yeah. You may never get the truth from people, right? So sometimes you have to be okay with being your your own closure. So that's pretty powerful um, that you can. That, that you did view it that way um, so you can move on with your life. Uh, so, wow. And I know that somebody is probably out there going through that right now and probably needs to hear that too. So I'm glad that uh, uh, you touched on that too. Um, because adoption is, is a beautiful thing, but there are complications with that process, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, with the child, people need, kids need homes, right? Mm-hmm. So the adoption is beautiful because the kids need children need, need homes um but once they get older questions mm-hmm. right and sometimes when you when you want the answers to the questions sometimes the adoptive parents don't even take it well yeah i feel like it's more well because they feel like well am i not doing enough is it yeah. me why do they need more right than what i can provide right and it could be heartbreaking for the adoptive parents um from their perspective right but, but from a child's perspective like you said you always felt like something was missing right mm-hmm. like something just wasn't completing right um and that's because of the questions and right so uh man that, that i really liked uh i really l- liked how you were able to go about that, um. And even just being able to express yourself like that to your father um that was a beautiful thing Uh, well i mean like your biological father that you were able to have that conversation with him
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um beautiful so when it comes to manhood now that you've experienced you know things with your biological as well as your adoptive and now you got you have sons what is your, I think, your final answer to this manhood question? What is manhood? What does that look like for you? So this sounds really reductive,
1: but for me, manhood is a choice to love, to be responsible, to be accountable, and to be present. Uh. Wow. Like, I, 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 I could wake up one morning and say, yo, I'm sick of being a man. I'm gonna go back to being a teenager, right? <laughs> um, or, you know, I'm, I'm gonna choose to be emotionally distant from my kids. It, it's a choice, man. And it's, it's not always easy, just because it's expected of you. and And also, accountability to me is not going to look like accountability to you is going to look right. It's going to look, it's going to look so different for, for each man. But I think across the board, if we could agree, if every man could agree that being a man requires that I love, that I know that I'm responsible for the people in my life, Uh that I'm accountable that I'm accountable, not just to them, but I'm accountable to me. Uh Like when, when, when am I looking in the mirror and saying, dude, you're not living up to it? Uh-huh. And then if I say I'm not living up to it, what am I, I going to do to get myself back on track? And then if we can all agree that being a man requires that we be present, and it's not a, it's not a physical presence, it is a mental presence, it's an emotional presence, it's a spiritual presence, uh-huh. and I know that, that that requires a lot of energy, it requires a lot Yes. However, however, our families are begging for that kind of manhood. Our Mm. communities are begging Mm. for that kind of manhood. Mm. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher, man. My students are begging to see that kind of manhood. And when we are not showing up, when we're not showing up, man, societies and systems begin to break down. Yes, I am. I'm I'm. I'm fortunate. My wife, every night, she will ask me how I'm doing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I, have, I have guys in my life who will just text me, dude, how, you, how are you doing? Because what I understand, what I understand is that for me to walk out this manhood thing authentically and real, for me to choose to be a man, I have to under, I I need people who are walking with me. Mm. I need, I need people like when I'm not walking my path, right. They're not just going to call me or text me. They are going to come drag me out of where I am. Uh Like they're going to beat the door down, drag me from where I am and get me back on the path. They're Uh going to look at me and say, dude, you, you are not showing up. Like what's your goals? What's your dreams? What's your plan? So how is this serving any of that? Uh And You know, so many of us, don't want that type of microscopic accountability uh. and responsibility. But for me, I found man, that it makes me so much better because even when I am trapped in my thoughts and I can't find any way out of the things that I'm thinking about, well, my wife says, baby, what, what, what's on your mind?
2: Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? Uh.
1: She, refused, she refuses to take nothing for an answer.
2: Wow. She will
0: sit
1: there in the silence with me until i'm finally able to find the words to explain how i'm feeling
0: Uh, that's powerful
1: That is, man it is when when my guys that i call brothers will not accept and i'm okay
0: that is big ain't it man come on that's big because we will i we will i'm okay you I'm okay. We will we will say that until you get sick and die. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. And internally, you are crumbling. Mentally, you are on a tear. Emotionally, you are at your lowest. And these are the things that I was referencing earlier of men having high blood pressure, heart attacks. You know certain things that that go on right it's stress induced you know mm. and and it's it's unfortunate and then the suicides and, and things like that so i always say yes they always say it takes a village to raise a kid or children and that's true but i also say it takes a village to get through life come on Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes a village to get through life. And people want to be loners and people want to ah, I gotta get through this is just, just no man, look, man, you need a village, man. I'm not saying you don't have to be a big one, but you need one. Yeah. And a real one. Yeah. Right? Not just the people who's gonna be there for the parties and the and the going out and stuff like that. You know, that's cool. But how many times you probably been out with somebody out there, you know, having a good time with somebody and they're depressed. They're smiling with you. Smiling with you, watching the games or partying, whatever it is y'all doing, you everybody smile, having a good time. They go home and quiet themselves to sleep.
1: Yeah, and let me let me add something to that. Please. So my wife my wife is in school to become a chiropractor. Um. So she has had to get intimately uh, aware with how bodily systems work. I had no idea chiropractors get pretty much the exact same training that medical doctors get Uh and so what she has been learning is how our emotions good or bad how they specifically affect pieces of our health like when she sees a patient she'll ask them before she even touches their body how are you doing if they say i'm okay she said okay your body's gonna tell me the truth When she starts touching that body and manipulating those muscles and listening to the cues that the body is giving, she can go back and say, your body is telling me something different. What's going on? So all of those I'm okays that we are heaping upon ourselves, bro, that mess is killing us with a quickness. So I don't, man, listen, if it will keep me alive, I never have to be okay.
2: Uh, uh.
1: I just want to. I'm, I'm at a point in my life, dude, where I, I have to be honest about how I'm feeling to yes. somebody. Yes. To somebody. Uh-huh. And for the, the brothers who are listening, for the sisters who are listening, if you don't have somebody, you need to find somebody with the quickness, because that's somebody that you find might be that somebody that helps you take the next breath of your life.
0: Mm. That's powerful. And that's powerful. And, you know, the one thing that you said earlier about your wife, um, and big shout out to her for, for giving you a safe space, because I believe in our friendships and in in our relationships and in marriages, there has to be a safe space to be given. And also what I see online sometimes is when women go and they go, Oh, well, if he can't tell me how he's feeling, I'm not gonna babysit him. He's a grown man, blah, 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 blah. I see it. I see it all the time. But the fact that she would sit with you in a silent place until you're ready to open up. That in and of itself is enough to get a man to open up. Because in your thinking process, it's like, okay, this woman is literally sitting here with me in my uncomfortable place, mm-hmm. waiting for me to be vulnerable, to express, and to be transparent. That is powerful, man. And that is irreplaceable. Um, and I'm glad you have those brothers, too, because I always tell this to, to, to my guy friends. It's cool to do the party thing is... It was cool to, you know, games, football, like sports, barbershop talk, you know that cool. But yo, know, we we gotta tap in on a different level. Like we 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 gotta talk about real things. Yeah. Does it make sense to go out and have fun like at all if we can't talk about honest and real things? Things that yeah. might be uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like you can come over here, sit sit in my place and have a beer or a drink or whatever the case is, and you don't feel comfortable to talk about anything. Yeah, that's a problem. I'd rather you talk to me than me looking than me looking at you in a box. Yep. And if I can't get the help for you, I I'll I'll refer. I'll do some Google searches with you. I'll try to see if we, we can get you into therapy. I'll refer you to therapist. I'll mm-hmm. do whatever it takes mm-hmm. for you to get the help that you that you need that is beyond me. And I think those are the kind of safe spaces that we need. And I'm so glad that you have it um, from a brother perspective, from a man perspective, too, Um, because that's powerful to have good men behind you. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Um, So, speaking of your lovely wife, right? Um, Married 20 years. You're a veteran. You're a veteran in the game, right? First question is my marriage, you know, I, again, you know, I like to skim online from time to time and I see things, you know, I see men, I see what they write. There's there. And a lot of men say, Oh, like there's no, like, There's no reward for men to be married like that's that's really women get all the benefits. There's no benefits for us to get married. I see it online. I see the comments I see on the blogs. I I see it all. Whenever I tie the skin. Um, So why marriage for you? What was it about, you know, your lovely wife now of 20 years to to say that one? I want to get married. I want it. What was it about her? Oh, that's like a whole podcast
2: by itself.
1: So <laughs> what I knew about myself was that me being a, a single person for my entire life, it was not going to work. Um, I wanted to have that one person to love for the rest of my life. Like I, I knew that that's how I was wired. Um, and Over over 20 years, she has proven over and over again why she was the one. Mm. Um she 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 encourages me to dream. Like, Mm. and Mm. I could just stop right there. Mm. I could just I, I could just stop right there. Like she encourages me to dream, like no matter how stressful life is. We can talk, we can talk about our dreams until we're blue in the face. Um, she, she is my emotional support human. When I, when I can't go to anybody else and cry or rage or feel any other type of emotion, frustration, disappointment, you know, if it's depression, whatever. She stays in that storm with me, man. Like she, she, she stays. And even if she doesn't understand the full gamut of what I'm feeling, Uh. she doesn't try to fix me. She listens and she provides the space when I need to just work through it and find the answer within myself. She provides the space for that. I know that at the end of the day, whether it's been a good day or a bad day, Mm. I can come home and hug my wife and the day immediately, all of its grips in me, they leave. And And for that moment that I am with my wife, it is me and her, Bonnie and Clyde, we can take on anything good the bad the ugly and you know i i, I know that to some people that's going to sound like pie in in the sky marriage stuff and I, I don't want it i don't want it to be twisted for anybody we have gone through our wars
2: mm.
1: we, we have we have the the battle 20 years does not come easy it, it does not come easy however 20 years later he has consistently shown up Every day, without fail. Um, 20 years later, I love her now. And I tell her this all the time. I love you now more than I loved you when I stared across the aisle at you 20 years ago and said I do. Because this 20 years, this I love you, is built on mountains of hardships and tests and trials and turmoils and triumphs. This 20, this I love you, we can earn
0: every bit of it. Oh, uh, wow. You do have a, a, way, a way with words. I'm just going to put that out there. So I can see. I, I see. I, I, I'm on to you. But, yeah. Um, and that's the beautiful thing, um, because I'm, and I'm glad that you said it doesn't come with without struggles. Um. And I find, though, it, and of course, every relationship is different based on what those struggles are, right? Um, but the one thing is I like about your honesty is that, hey, look, we went through stuff. Like, you know, and, and that's important to, to really put out there because people get this, this Disney idea, right? Oh, the marriage, the wedding. And it's beautiful for a day, and it, it it's a long day, and there's pictures and dancing and food, and it's amazing. But the work starts after that day. Mm-hmm. Life begins after that day. Mm-hmm. And the benefits of you know of what you described, right? Of having somebody there who 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 is your ride or die, right? These are benefits. Right. I know a lot of men say, ah, it's not really a benefit. But you just laid out all of the benefits that you have with the woman that you chose. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's also important too for men to start having discernment about the women that they choose. And I'ma just put it out there. The views aren't the view, what I'm about to say is not the views of 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 Justin and Bill. I don't want nobody coming at you. But not every woman is is a good woman. Everybody, not and, not and we know not every man is a good man. We understand these things, right? But as men, we have to be discerning about the women that we choose. That is our responsibility. That is our accountability, right? To see who's really for us, mm-hmm. like because not everyone is made equal. Like, it's it's not it. Right. And we ended up saying, oh, this woman is this, this woman is that, but you you chose. You
1: chose. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even with that, I think it's a little bit deeper because I think within every man and every woman is the potential to be a good man or a good woman. We know life sucks. And the way that we interpret those events and, th- and decisions that we've made or the things that have happened to us or the things that have happened for us, it's going to be different with every person. However, I have seen this, and I know you've seen this too. The person that we think is not a good person finds the person that is good for them, and that transformation is miraculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, what you said, you, you, man, we can't be out here in these streets all willy-nilly.
0: But it happens all the time <laughs> but it, man <laughs> but it happens all the time right but, but it happens all the time it happens you know and there's a thing about being outside being in the streets like for, from for men right it's like this is what we do right but it's a thing of you create things of like broken homes you create these issues and then you're like oh well i don't need to be present i don't like the mother it's like, fam, bro, you created the family. I'm not saying that you have to stay with the mother, but you have to at least try to create a healthy environment for the child. Right. To, co- to, to at least co parent the right way. Right. right. And it's like, yeah, but she's this and she's that. Bro, you chose. Yep. You chose. And I've, I've talked to people from all walks of life. And and you go through, a lot of people go through a lot of crazy things in in life. But it's like, at some point, you have to either get therapy, you got to find, start figuring out ways to unpack the things that have happened to you You and why you are making these decisions consistently over and over again and getting the same results, right? And that's the accountability piece, too, because you got to look at it. It's not easy to go to therapy. People think it's not easy going to therapy because- Therapy removes the mask of what you think you are, and it mm-hmm. shows you who you really are. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not easy. Not an easy pill for for anyone, for men or women. But it, you got to do it. And here's the onus for men, okay?
1: In in therapy, you don't hear much about the mother wound, but there are volumes of books about the father wound. Hmm. Volumes and uh, uh. Ent- entire practices are built around exploring the impact positive or negative that a father has in a family or with kids.
0: Wow. True. Very
1: true. That, Like that by that by itself should be enough for men to know that we have to take responsibility and we have to be accountable. If we're gonna lay down and make it, then we need to stand there and take it.
0: That's that's as simple as that. You, and and, I, and again, if we could just be more discerning, we choose. And and look, there's always going to be room for error. I mean, no, nothing is ever perfect. You know. Um, you know, full transparency, I was married and divorced. I didn't make a family, though. I didn't make a baby. That was my choice. Because I said, at least, if this is not something that's going to work, right? I don't want to have, I don't want to bring someone into this world, Yeah. right, under those circumstances. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't. But that was by choice. Yeah. Discipline, choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's even with your wife. And that was even with at the time, my my ex-wife. I had to be discerning and saying, okay, look, this, this is not looking the way I anticipated it that and that we thought it was gonna be. So it was a choice. I said, look, we not that's not something that we're gonna do. Right now, until we can try to figure this out. Right. Um, Again, you know, choices, you know, I could have easily obviously had a kid. And guess what? Right now. It'd be turmoil. Right. Choices. Um, And having discernment um, about the choices that you decide to make or not. Um, You know, but. I'm glad that you laid out a lot of those things about marriage and it being a help, it being something that's positive for you in your life, Um, because it has been. But you also chose, obviously, very well, right? Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, you chose very well. Um, So kudos to you guys. Um, But when it comes to marriage in this sense, in men, So I know men go through a lot of things mentally, emotionally in their marriage and it may not even have anything to do with their significant other, right? Could be men going through a loss of jobs, income. That seems to hit men very hard up here. And so sometimes it could be tough kind of have those conversations with your with your wife with your significant other the person that you're supposed to be providing for protecting over this economy is crazy they they they're laying off left and right everywhere like everywhere men are losing jobs right men are losing jobs husbands are losing jobs and sometimes it can be easier to open up to your woman about other things Yeah. Right. Versus the money thing. You know, it's like, I can open up to you about this. But that is a hard conversation, I think, for men to have with their wife. Of course, depending on who they chose, they might know their wife. So, what advice would you give to a man who's married uh, as far as broaching the subject of loss of income, job? money and et cetera like how would you like how would like what would be the approach that you would tell a man to how to approach a woman when it comes to money and promote yeah i mean that's a real thing
1: <laughs> uh well i think the best answer that i can give is just to be honest
2: hmm.
1: You are where you are. You have what you have, right? Um, but also if your marriage is a partnership, then there should be an equal commitment to just because we are where we are right now, doesn't mean that we're gonna stay here. Mm, um, and I mean, you know, in, in all honesty, I've been the only one working since my wife has been in school. I'm a teacher. Uh-huh. So take from that what you will, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, we we've had to have some hard conversations, man. I mean, we uh. we've we've been through a bankruptcy, um, uh. and there there will always be a moment of reckoning. Either you can bring it on and therefore have some control over how how it responds to your life or you can ignore it and allow it to wreak all kind of havoc in your life
2: uh.
1: um i had to grow into facing it and you know i'm i'm not gonna lie you know that that is an area of life where my insecurities always like to rear their heads because oh, as, as a man as a man i want to be that provider my my wife and my kids deserve to have the best and when i can't provide the best for them then that reflects negatively on me as as a man um you know i started a life coaching practice um as a means of being of service to people, to men, of course, uh-huh. and also because I wanted to bring in some extra income. Uh-huh, right. Um, I, you know, wrote a book, written a couple of eBooks because I had them on my heart. Yeah. But also because I wanted to find a way to bring in some extra income.
0: Absolutely, Right.
1: Um, but some of that also stems from a place that I know it's still kind of broken within me where I identify my ability to be a provider by how much money I'm bringing in. Uh-huh. But I understand it and I realize it and it's something that I can work on. If we're not willing to to be honest about it and, and, and really look at where it comes from, then we don't even have a jumping off point to have those conversations. Like, huh. you know, you you, you talked about being discerning when we're fooling with other people but when's the last time we were discerning about ourselves facts mm-hmm. um and you know i i have always known that i've always liked to have money like when my wife and i were dating it wasn't nothing for me like to just slip her you know 20 100 dollars. like that wasn't nothing right? right but as as kids come and as life comes. Uh. And in those seasons when life is just life, uh, and like you don't know where that where, you don't know where that next meal is gonna come from, uh, much less I can't afford to take my wife out on a date. Like what 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 is this? What kind of man am I? Right? Um, uh, and you look, you then you start looking on social media and you seeing all these cats doing all this stuff for your wife, then you have to come back. Then you gotta come back. What kind of man am I? Uh,
2: uh-huh.
1: Am I the man where my things are all that I have to offer? Or am I a man where who I am is enough for what they need?
2: Because mm.
1: it, is, it is repeatedly coming back to that statement of authenticity that who I am is enough. Regardless of materially what I have to offer anybody, who I mm. am is enough.
2: Mm.
1: Regardless of whether I can take my wife on a cruise, who I am is enough regardless of whether I can buy my kids name, brand, clothes and shoes, who I am is enough. Mm. That, that authenticity is going to come to bear a hundredfold exponentially so that when I'm finally able to do what I want to do and notice I said when I'm finally able, not an if, it has no choice but to come, a when. When I'm finally able to provide I've already laid the foundations that who I am is not based on what's in my wallet. My wallet can be fat. My wallet can be fat. It don't matter. Mm. Who I am is enough. What I can do for you, that is just cherries on top of a delicious sundae. Mm. Who I am, that's the basis for everything.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, And it's interesting because... I always feel like or always felt that when you have emotional intelligence and you are secure and, and you have other tools in the tool belt to offer your spouse because some people some men don't even have the emotional intelligence to support a woman or mentally emotionally or, or try to understand what they're you know what they're going through it's like yo here's some you know, bills paid good wow right but and then the problem with it is when they lose their income or their job or whatever it is that they have going on, they don't know how to operate mm-hmm. in the relationship. So they sabotage it. Um, so I've always felt that somebody, you know, who loves emotional intelligence, like, like I love emotional intelligence, m- mental health, emotional issues, like I can navigate, I have a lot of tools in my tool belt, as do you to navigate those waters. But man, it's still, it is still hard. Even when you have those tools in in the tool belt, that when that money starts to get different, you feel, even when you got the tools for other things, you still feel so different. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts start coming in your head, in -hmm. your mind about who you are as, as a man. And it and it drives, it can drive you crazy because those thoughts become louder, louder. Yeah. The yeah. longer the drought is, the louder, the the louder it becomes. And you're thinking, man, but I got all these all this other tools. Well, I know that I can support my wife in this way or my girl in this way, and I can do other things. And you can have a great person, great wife, great girl who like, yeah, I'm good over here with this. Just keep providing the emotional stuff and we'll figure it out. Yeah it's still in your head yeah it messes with you and that's innately just the whole thing about manhood about providership and how that's so deeply ingrained in who we are that when that's stuck when that doesn't happen it tears us up on the mm-hmm. inside a lot um but you mentioned coaching um and, you know, of course, you you started it to, to be a help. And I'm a certified life coach as well. Uh, so we do share that uh, something else that, that we share in common. Um, so what and why coaching? Because some people feel like life coaching is just this easy thing. And I'm like, man, life coaching is oh God, like it's taxing. It's not what you think. Like, you know, it takes a lot of energy emotionally, mentally, It's not just snap your fingers. We having a conversation and that's it. Like it's other things involved, right? So why coaching for you?
2: Uh,
1: I think for me, I have always operated from, from a mode of operation where I want to cheer people on and coach them up so Mm. like I I, want to come beside people and be your biggest encourager like I'm an encourager man like I that that for me like seeing that light come on for somebody when you just give them man that that is like nothing that you'll ever experience in your life but also in that as I am being your biggest cheerleader and encouraging you I also want to challenge you to not stay where you are like there's always another level Um, And so as I kind of began to rationalize, you know, what I eventually want my life to look like, I want to spend my time helping people by providing that encouragement, but also by giving them the tools that I've accumulated over life that I'm still accumulating as I keep living. But I want to give people the tools to be able to do this stuff on the, on their own, like mm-hmm. to realize that their limiting beliefs are holding them back. But there are ways to destroy those, like by telling people, by forcing people to look at the narratives that they've been living their life, by the stories that they keep telling themselves and like, okay, break that down. Is that actually what the real is? Or is mm-hmm. that something that you've been telling yourself for a long time because of how you've lived your life or what somebody else has told you. Right. Right. Um, And man, I'm just, I'm convinced that we are the biggest reason why we are not where we want to be. Wow. It's it's not the man that's keeping me back. It's Justin. It's me. It is how I'm thinking about stuff. It's the stories that I'm telling myself. It's the stuff that I'm allowing myself to believe. It's the baggage that I'm continuing to allow myself to carry. And man, if, if something that I say or do can provide some type of peace for anybody huh. so that they can see themselves clearly when they look in the mirror and see every possibility of what their life can be like, all you've got to do is just choose a path. and then then set that compass for it and then just just go for it man that's that's why coaching became the thing for me that i felt like i would get the most life bang for my buck and so like once i kind of set my direction there then the podcast kind of came out of that um because it, it allows me to You know, even if they're not paying me for a session, for me, publishing that weekly podcast is like, this is your one-on-one session with me. Uh I can talk to you. I may never meet you. You know what I'm saying? Um, However, regardless of what any piece of data tells me, you're not just a piece of an analytic. You're a person who's taken the time to sit for a 30-minute session with me where I can tell you, yes, you're great, but you can be greater, but let me tell you how to get there. Uh So that, that's why coaching for me, man, it's to cheer people on, but it's also to coach them up.
0: I love that. And you wrote some books. Let's, let's talk about it. What, uh, uh, what are some of your books about? Um, and where can we get these books? So
1: the first book that I published, my timing is just impeccable because I published, (laughs) I, I published this book and then the world shut down. It was like right, I published the book right the day before, or maybe hours before, the word came down. Hide your kids, hide your wives. <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay in your house. Um, but this first book is just called, it was called Slaying the Lion, Hunt What is Hunting You. Uh, and it, it, it's a faith-based book, um, because I'm also a minister. Uh, but it's a faith-based book with the premise that God has given us the power to hunt down and destroy the things that we have spent all of our lives running from. And it, it's based on a story in the Bible, in I believe it's the book of 2 Kings, I may be wrong, of a guy named Beniah who was walking on a snowy day, saw this lion. Instead of allowing this lion to run away, he tracked this lion down into a dark pit and he killed it. Now Anybody else in their right mind finds a lion, they're going to run from it, right? Hmm. He had the presence of mind and the courage to understand that if he he did not deal with this lion, this lion could hurt other people or this lion could come back and hurt him. Uh We've spent so much time running from lions in Mm -hmm. our lives, lions of insecurity, lions of all these different things that God has given us the power the authority to slay, and so that's what that's what this book is about. It, it's available on on Amazon, um, and yeah, that, that's my baby. That's my baby. Um, also, a few months ago, I released uh, a book, an ebook called Soaring Confidence, and in it are four steps to building the type of confidence that allows you to just soar, like to fly to wherever you want to in life. Like so many people don't have confidence. I was one of those people that could not find my own confidence to save my life. Like if you put me in confidence in a bucket, (laughs) in a brightly lit room, Uh I would still have been, I would still have been, been blind to, to where my confidence was. And so, um, using, you know, these four steps, uh, they, they, they helped me to, obliterate the limiting beliefs to really see myself um, just to to accept who I was, but also to resolve to not stay there. Um, And, you know, like I said, it's just, it's about doing the work. It's really about doing the work. And then my other ebook is about, uh, it's just called Hello Water Walker. Um, And it's just, it's an invitation to people to get out of the boats, to get out of the comfort zones of our lives, and to just dare to believe that the first step you take outside of your comfort zone, outside of that boat, could be the very miracle that gets you on with the rest of your life. And um, so those books are available. I have uh, like a Payhip store um, where I have, you know, I have a course on confidence. I have some different uh, free resources for people to receive. but yeah man i just i look for ways to to help people a lot of it's through the lens of what i've had to overcome but Uh you know i just i want people to to be better just like i want for my kids we want our kids Uh to be better um and if i can help people skip steps then that that's it whether i get paid for it or not i don't care the the compensation for me is knowing at the end of my life i've impacted people
0: yeah yeah that's a beautiful thing um we we kind of share that in common as well um you're jack of all trades here um you mentioned also minister um so you've you know you a teacher um right coach minister all right so what was your call like how did you know that you were called to be a minister like what was that process for you um uh, you know being a teacher of course you know you're an educator so I guess that part comes naturally right um
1: (laughs) okay yeah it 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 came naturally but it's something that I ran from dude like Mm. coming out of undergrad um I was a music major vocal performance I've done opera um and i had opportunities fresh out of undergrad to take over prestigious programs but i i told these people i don't like kids like that like i i want to become the next big music sensation like that's where my brain was Uh um however however i have an mba in human resource management i did that for seven years got burnt out i think that i think that that was god just kind of saying dude this is not what i have for you for 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 this season i want you to go i want you to teach that was 10 years ago i quit a job in human resources worked at walgreens for two years Uh on the two-year anniversary of when i left my job i got my first teaching job um the the preaching thing literally i i heard god in my head whispering for me to preach for a year before I finally gave into it, and that probably sounds weird, but that's quite literally what happened to me i in my family line, I have you know pastors and teachers uh-huh. and so everybody else can look at me and see it um but I didn't trust anybody uh-huh. to speak it over me until I knew it for myself um so yeah it's it's You know, I've not always been trustworthy, but I've been fortunate in that, you know, God's entrusted me with some things and with some people. And um, I want to be a good steward of it. You know, I'm not always going to get it right. I know God looks at me and like shakes his head like, man, that boy, my gosh. But, but, you know, as, as gracious and as merciful as he's been to me, Uh, with the people that he's placed in my life and the times that he's helped me get back on my feet. I want to spend the rest of my life pouring into people in the same fashion, man.
0: I love that. And it's the last question is how has faith been an impact in your life?
1: It's been everything. Ah, Man. I'm, I'm in a season of life right now where my wife and I are believing for some really big things. Um, and if I did not know that God existed, I don't know how I would live. Uh, we We've been through ruts like ruts 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 and if i could not look in the bible and say out loud i will remain confident in this that i will see your goodness god in the land of the living i don't have to wait till heaven for all the good things there's going to be some good things that happen here on earth um if i did not have the confidence to know man that god is real and that he has a plan for all of the mess that we walk through. Uh-huh. If I hadn't if I hadn't seen him redeem my mistakes and help me to become who I am, I, I probably would be just nuts, just out of my mind, crazy by now. Uh-huh. Faith, faith has been Everything. It is by faith in God that I wake up in the morning. It's by faith in God that I live through the day. It's by faith in God that I lay down and believe that tomorrow is going to be a better day. It's by faith in God that I can look at a bad situation and believe that it, that it can become good.
2: Uh-huh.
1: It's by it's by faith that I can, you know, have a conversation with you, and believe that this message is going to hit exactly the right person that it needs to hit in uh-huh. just the right spot that it's going to hit them. So. Man, for me, for me, faith is everything, and that's the only thing. Um,
2: uh.
1: I mean, I'm on Sunday. I'm going to New Mexico to speak to speak uh, at a youth conference for probably seven, eight hundred, nine hundred kids. Um, and I have been praying for an opportunity to do this conference for like three, four years. Wow, somebody couldn't do it this year so they're giving me a shot.
0: Faith. You going to kill it, man. You going to kill it, man. I
1: appreciate it, man.
0: I appreciate it. That's amazing. Congratulations on this on this opportunity. I know that it won't go to waste and I know that you will impact many of your lives, uh young people's lives in which they need that um especially in this day and age. Um so just tell the people um you know, where they can find you, the podcast, uh, where they can listen, you know, you know, your socials, like, you know, um, just give people w- how they can connect with you, collaborate with you, you know, and hire you for future speaking engagements, you know? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. So tell them where they can find you, brother.
1: Uh, all right. So primarily, uh, you can find me at underscore JD Speaks on Instagram. Uh, my podcast, The Pep Talk Podcast, um, it's available everywhere: Apple, Spotify, Google. You know, we're always looking for listeners. You know, I've uh, just, of
0: course.
1: I've just, I, I just started it in uh, in January, so we're up to episode twenty-five, and I'm the the, the 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 consistency of it is what I'm loving. I'm uh-huh. loving the consistency of it. Um, but you can find it wherever you find podcasts. I always, always pray that it's a blessing, um, mm-hmm. to, to people. Um, you can email me at the pet at gmail.com for, you know, speaking engagements, or even if it's just to ask me a question, man, I just, I love people. I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert because I love people too much. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, let's connect and uh you know T till man you're family now dude yeah you are yeah. officially family so I, I look forward to having you on my podcast to get more about your story man
0: listen you already know i'm there just let me know when and where and i'll come on yeah. anytime um, Yeah. but uh, i think you know you're doing some amazing things we, oh, we're we gonna drop the links to uh the books um you know when this airs and you know um definitely want people to go out there and support those books and support this um, amazing person cuz you know he wears many hats you know um you know minister author coach teacher father husband right and and he's also a son um wearing many hats you know um and so definitely we want to Make, make sure that we get the message out about all the amazing things that you're, you're doing. You know, um, if you're looking for a life coach, please, you know, definitely hit up Justin too. Um, you know, um, there's no egos here. I'm, I'm a coach, but I love when people have, have a passion for it. Um, yeah. definitely, definitely hit up Justin, uh, book him. Um, you know, listen, this ain't no, ain't nothing free. I want people to be clear that, you know, sometimes people, hey, no, we can, you, no, no, invest in yourself Invest in yourself say, it in yourself. say it with the chest yeah and, and, and invest in yourself you know um and when you book book you know it's, it's gonna cost something you go to you know hey it is what it is you know so i just want people to be on the right side of that you know if you're gonna go go correct go book yeah. you know um and definitely for all speaking engagements he is available please you know what i'm saying he's got a lot of good stuff to say he has a heart of gold, heart for, for people, um, and those are the kind of people we want to see win in life. So, again, appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing your story um, and all the insight you have to fatherhood, manhood, marriage, um, and everything in between. Definitely appreciate you, man. Thank you.
1: I'm honored to be here with you, man. Um, like I said, I don't believe this connection was an accident, so I look forward to collaborating and seeing what i uh, what good we can put out into the
0: world, man. A hundred percent. This has been another episode of Conversations of the Heart. Uh, Once again, as always, it is your boy t with my guy here, Justin Belt. See y'all next week. Peace.